This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. You, as always, can call in about what you want. And I want to start, it to, uh, start things out tonight since uh, the show is about your calls. Otherwise, we go to your emails and other things that we find interesting. And I found this interesting kind of uh, – this email kind of interesting from Conrad in response to an, e- uh, an interview we did right before Mark left. And I probably should hold this until Mark comes back, but – I don't think it really needs his uh, his comment. Julia, were you on the air the night that Mark and I uh, – actually, you, you came on, I think, in the third hour of the show after we did the interview with the guy from itakethevow.com? Yes, I've, I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, if you go to itakethevow.com, you can see what this is. It's a pretty simple concept. Uh, I take the vow of nonviolence, and it's something that was set up by Deepak Chopra. He's kind of a big name, I guess, out there in the – I don't know, metaphysical community or something like that. I, I'm not really sure exactly what all Deepak Chopra has done, but he's he's done enough to get him, himself a big name. And the vow is very simple. It's a vow of nonviolence in my thoughts, speech, and actions. And uh, it says a vow is a sacred commitment from which there's no going back. And so Mark and I had this uh, gentleman, uh, one of the people from the website on the show, and we uh, we interviewed him about it, and we talked to him and asked him, to get a little more descriptive on what the vow of nonviolence means, and one of the hmm? well, I I was just going to say I think that most people would probably sign that vow and have no idea. Uh, for like Michaela, for example, the lady who certainly aggressed against you, even unintentionally, when she called the government on you to come uh, give you a ticket for your couch on the front yard, um, she would probably claim herself to be nonviolent, but she doesn't right. really understand what that means. Exactly, and so one of the questions that I, one of the questions that we asked um, the gentleman from the website to clarify was, well, could you hire someone to do the violence for you? Could you, you know, could <laughs> well, you thoughts, actions? Isn't wouldn't that be an action? A violence? It, well, yeah, it would. But what if you didn't know better, right? What if you? I mean, you. We know that go- you and I know that government is violence, yeah. but most people don't realize that. So if you don't realize that bi- violence is being done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyway, it, it seemed pretty clear that this was a vow that that a liberty-minded person could easily take. Uh, they made it made it clear that it was not something that uh, was a pacifist vow. In that, uh, if you were attacked, you could certainly use uh, defensive force to defend yourself. This vow does not rule that out and they made that pretty clear and so i felt comfortable in the beginning of the call i did not feel comfortable taking the vow but by the end of the call i did and i went ahead and, and i took the vow mark had taken it uh, a couple weeks earlier i wanted to really iron out the the pacifist question and conrad writes in to say i do not take the vow he says i was a bit alarmed to hear all this talk about the great idea of taking a vow of nonviolence, and i think it's ridiculous unnecessary and potentially dangerous to liberty I don't need to take a vow of nonviolence because I already am nonviolent. Are we going to get into the habit of making vows to ourselves for behavior that we think others should do as well? Am I benefited by taking a vow to love my children? Do I need to invite others to love their children too? No, I already love my children without a vow, and you should too, but that's your business. 
How about these vows? I vow to help people who are drowning. I vow not to pick my nose in public. I vow to not break wind in front of my mother-in-law. Is that a good idea? Surely you won't speak out against you. Uh, he says, if I uh, invite people to come to my website, which is I vow to wipe my butt with toilet paper after making a bowel movement.com. He says, is that a good idea? Surely you won't speak out against using toilet paper, will you? If I invite people to come to my website and take the vow and invite two others, can I pin a medal on my chest that says, I'm making the world safer with cleaner bottoms? Will vow takers create animosity toward those that use wet wipes or Europeans who think the bidets are superior butt cleaning technology and ostracize them for breaking their sacred commitment from which there's no going back? Ridiculous and unnecessary. I think you, Ian, had the right gut feeling to question this. You said something to the effect of, well, wait a minute, can I use violence to protect somebody from violence? Mark then slowly started to fall into the trap of almost asking permission to be able to play violent video games. This is ludicrous. Of course you can. Why would you even put yourself through the indignity of asking? Mr. Deepak, I've... Please, Mr. Deepak, I've taken the vow of nonviolence, but can I still watch Star Wars even though Darth Vader violently says, slays Obi-Wan Kenobi in a blatant act of aggression? Ludicrous. A vow is not like a voluntary contract between people where each is looking to voluntarily give up something in exchange for something that will benefit him or herself. This vow is not the same as facing your neighbor and saying, I will not hit you if you do not hit me. However, if you hit me, I'll defend myself, and you have the right to do the same. This is a real statement of non-aggression that has value, or that is a real statement of non-aggression that has value. If these had been the uh, terms of the Treaty of Versailles, we may have been able to, uh, to have avoided World War II. However, a contract with yourself does little and is unnecessary because you're already looking out for your own best interest. Of course, asking the people to take a voluntary vow is much better than using the government to force you to behave rationally. But nonetheless, we've all seen tyranny with vows as well. Take Francis Bellamy, for example, the Baptist minister and Christian socialist that thought that patriotism was a good idea and made the Pledge of Allegiance as a type of voluntary statement of faithfulness to country. What happens today if someone decides to opt out of the voluntary pledging in the state indoctrination camps? Do you think that exercise of free will is well re- that exercise of free will is well received? Who benefits from that vow? Vows are the road to voluntary tyranny. And I don't vow to not vow. I'm just going to pass on the vows, and you would be better off passing as well. But that's your business. From Conrad from Spain. So, Julia, as somebody who has not necessarily taken this particular vow uh, outright do you feel like conrad has a point or is he being well, um, a little excessive i can see why he's being excessive as far as um to the point of writing an email i mean it, it's i wouldn't have taken the vow anyway really why because that sort of thing on the internet just doesn't really strike me. I'm generally not one to sign petitions and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I take the vow dot com. I thought you were going to talk about some religious nutcase who was talking about vows of like celibacy or uh, abstinence or something like that. That was my first thought when I heard the name. And okay. so it just doesn't seem too like weird something. For you? Yeah, you think it's, it's a too little weird? too weird, and it's a little too. Like, it just doesn't sound like something I'd be like, oh, wow, you know, that's really going to do something. It just seems like a waste of my time. It's a waste of time. So I wouldn't have done it, no. So you don't think you, so it's not that you disagree with the vow. You you think the vow is is okay. It's not kooky or anything. It's 
I take a vow of nonviolence in my thoughts and my actions. Right. But I do understand where he's coming from and that I don't see any reason for me personally to take the vow because I already do that, like he said. So I can understand where he's coming from. But I don't think it's crazy to sign the vow. I just personally wouldn't. I don't see a point to it. Do, well, I mean, maybe there is a point. Maybe the point is to help people, help people find nonviolence who perhaps never had uh, considered it before. Maybe use this as a tool to uh, to introduce people to the idea of not aggressing against their neighbor. But does the website actually go into any detail as far as what violence, nonviolence means? Or because I think that most, for example, uh, I think that most people would consider themselves nonviolent because they don't personally, you know, go out and beat people in the streets or anything like that. So they, I think most people would consider themselves nonviolent, but I don't think that you would consider those people nonviolent, even if they don't realize it. Well, yes, I see where you're coming from on that, and you're right. Uh, the I take the vow does, uh, dot com does not have a explicitly liberty leaning bend. It does not say, "Well, you can't take this vow if you support the government." It, it doesn't say that. It reminds me of just some of these fluffy peace organizations that you hear about. I mean, I see them on like Facebook all the time. Mm-hmm. You can sign this, and and if you're against the war, and sign that, and that that's kind of what it reminds me of. And I see it as sort of pointless. Like, some people will just sign all of those things. I would sign none of those things. Eh, eh. I don't know. I think that maybe if you got somebody to take the vow and then you saw them supporting government, you could point out that, hey, wait a but minute, how you, do took, you know the who took the vow. Well, you'd ask them to go and take it. <laughs> you'd ask them to go and say, take it, and, and they took it. And then they would it. say, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, does anyone mm. really care? Well, 1 800 259 9231. You're welcome to chime in on this. Bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Features on the site. We give away. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is free. And the uh, free stuff includes archives going back for an entire year. You can download all the shows we've done. It's completely free right there on the front page. Just click, and they are yours at freetalklive.com. Did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business be secure, your business email? Privacyharbor.com is an email alternative. It's both private and confidential, guaranteed. Privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. 1-800-259-9231. So uh, still just a few more thoughts on the I take the vow dot com uh, vow thing, this website that uh, Deepak Chopra and some others have put up. Uh, Julia, you say it's frou-frou, it's, uh, it's silly, it's unnecessary for people that believe in liberty because people that believe in liberty, most of them have already personally well, in their own hearts I uh, think taken a vow of nonviolence. It's not that I think that it's well, I do see it as being a little unnecessary, but I don't mean it in such a negative fashion. I just think that what you think of as nonviolent is a lot different than what other people think of as nonviolent. And I think that if the site isn't explicitly introducing people to liberty, then it's pointless because then you're just signing something and saying, yay, I took the vow. <laughs> Right. I was suggesting that one who uh, is a liberty advocate could use the website as part of a some sort of tool, uh, as a tool to help bring people into the fold. I would never do that. No? No. 
Okay. Well, uh, according to the website's frequently asked questions, uh, one of them is, what is it about stating one's intentions explicitly by taking a vow that's supposed to help actualize nonviolent behavior? Mr. Chopra writes this answer. He says, by stating the vow of nonviolence explicitly and asking those who are close to you to remind you when you're deviating from those principles of nonviolence accelerates the process of evolution. Recently, when I found myself being combative as a result of the personal attacks in a Wall Street Journal article, My wife and children kept reminding me that I had taken the vow, and I found that very useful in mitigating my aggressive tendencies. So I guess what he's saying here, it's part of a conscious choice that somebody would be making uh, in order to shift their mindset away from thinking of violence, thinking of violent solutions, uh, as, and then and, and shifting their consciousness to, into thinking of uh, on more positive terms, thinking of no. forgiveness and things like that. I, I see where you're coming from, and I am actually now thinking about the comment he made about Mark playing violent video games. Because as you were just saying the last thing you said, I was thinking to myself, violence, like thinking in violence. Because, I don't know, I watch violent movies, and I play violent video games sometimes, and I like that kind of violence. And sometimes violent thoughts go through my head that I necessarily wouldn't act on, but, you know, they're in there. What and- are you even thinking about? I have smashing some of... people's heads or doing a little uh, <laughs> sniper action. What, what no. kind of violent thoughts does Julia have? I I don't know. I'm just saying that <laughs> that I mean that's Ian what taking was, a tumble down the stairs. That's what was going through my head. Was, pushing me down the stairs. I've never thought of pushing oh, okay. me down the stairs. No. I'm just trying to just trying to figure it out. No no no. I if I I don't have anything off the top of my head. But <laughs> while you were saying that, I was thinking to myself like, gee, well if I took that vow, would I not be allowed to play violent video games? Should I switch over to you know, uh, Mario Kart, and I, I don't know. Well, I don't know if violent video games encourage thoughts of real violence. Which is I, why the, well, the website seems, well, some would claim it would. Some so would why claim that, sure. The website seems silly to me, because who really knows what that means? I agree, like took that vow to myself a really, really long time ago, and it's meant different things for me over the years, but I don't know. I don't I don't see any reason. I would. I would never say to somebody... Hey, don't you remember you took that vow on I took the vow dot com. Uh, <laughs> you just called your neighbor and ratted them out. Do you realize the violence there? I, I just wouldn't. I would mm-hmm. never do that. That doesn't seem like an effective way to reach people, if you ask me. Well, that's just my opinion. Yeah, well, I see where you're coming from. And I think this is, uh, I think I was just throwing out an, an idea as far as what this could be used for. I think the main point of the website is to help encourage a shift in consciousness in general amongst mankind instead of going to violence as right. the solution to their problems. I think it's going to take a lot more than I take the vow.com. Going to, uh, going to uh, nonviolence or peaceful solutions and, and evolving in that direction. And to that end i completely agree uh with the ends of the website and i well i agree with you julia i mean one website is not going to solve the world's problems i think that might be a little grandiloquent i think that might be a a little overreaching for the website but it's a good it's it's got good intentions and i don't think that it's a bad idea necessarily 1-800-259-9231 let's go to your phone calls about whatever you want talk to glenn in alabama you're on free talk live hello glenn hey how you doing ian and julia what's on your mind tonight glenn yeah, I don't know about I don't know about them vow takers. You know, I say anybody who wants to take a vow, they should take a vow. But uh, I don't I, I don't like taking vows myself. Well, it seems uh, that the, that I mean, so, just looking in the chat room, uh, it seems to split down the middle. Some people went went ahead and they took the vow, and others, you know, felt feel as though Julia feels like it's unnecessary. <laughs> 
Well, they're suckers. But anyways, I, I, well, I suckers would imply that they lost something, and really, you didn't lose anything. It's just uh, you went to yeah, a website. It's all masturbation, I think. Okay. Uh, but I had a purpose. Uh, I called tonight with an extreme sense of urgency because I, I always, I keep having this recurring question in my head that has to do with liberty and government. And since you guys are anti-government and pro-liberty, um, I thought it would be uh, pertinent to the show. All right, what is it? Well, basically, I'm, I'm thinking about nuclear weapons. You know, we got a lot of them. And, I don't have uh, any nuclear weapons. Do you? Kind of government. What? How are you going to manage our nuclear stockpile without having a government? Our? I don't have any nuclear weapons. I'm not sure. How many do you have? I don't. I I don't have any myself. Oh, okay. But come on, dude. The country has. Freaking nukes. Right. You mean the United States federal government has nukes? Yeah, what what exactly. will be done with those is what you're asking? Yeah. Well, I would imagine if you could actually successfully shut down the federal government, I'm sure you could dismantle those nuclear weapons as well as part of that okay, and, successful but, but come shutdown. On, aren't we kinda, okay, but dude, aren't we kind of defenseless against other countries at that point? I don't think that anyone suggests that we should leave ourselves defenseless um, when I say we, I'm so talking about the... So you think that the, the government should keep the, the Well, I don't nukes? think that the government should have... I don't think that the government should be dealing in defense, personally. Um, but I feel like if... To me, the very, very first step of this all, because I think that, okay, abolishing government tomorrow, bad idea. I think that's a really bad idea. I think that this comes in steps, and I think the very first step is for the... U.S. government to withdraw all its troops from all the countries around the world that it's in and take the defensive position instead of the offensive position and stop bothering people so people don't want to nuke us. So I think that's the first step. So uh, so it's your position then that the reason why the United States hasn't been nuked is simply because it, the, I, they have nukes. Not you, Julia, but, no. uh, but Glenn. Oh. Uh, is simply because I, I kind of want to hear your answer, Ian, because I, wanna, I know that you're the real radical one, and I kind of want to know what you think in, the, in, this, in this regard. Well, I'll take Julia's position, and that is that, uh, that the def- defense agencies should be able to defend people in whatever way they think is appropriate. I'll let you come back and comment on that, so hang on. More with Glenn here in moments, 800 259 9231. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. Plus, coming up uh, later, we've got a story about marijuana and how, well, it could actually help your brain. Gee, we'll get into that. It's a possibility. And we'll talk, uh, take your calls about anything. 800 259 9231. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231, and it is Ian here with you. And Julia. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, and they include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com. 
and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you, so their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. As we go back to Glenn in Alabama. Glenn, you're asking a question about, well, in a world without government, what would happen with the nuclear weapons? And uh, I said that I would take Julia's position, and that is that, well, there should be no uh, coercive government, and we should have the opportunity to hire protection agencies, should we want to. And if those protection agencies deem it, uh, however it is that they deem it uh, appropriate to protect their customers, they would go and do that, whether that's you know surface-to-air missiles, nuclear weapons, uh, ships, or if it's just locks on on front doors and and uh, armed guards at a, at a moment's notice. I mean, it would, it would is, depend. Okay, who, is, who is the we, and how do you propose that we get together and organize this whole thing? Doesn't that organization imply some when, kind of government? I'm sorry. When, what, when I said when I said we, do you mean when I was referring to we, those of us who would be customers of protection? Companies? Yeah, I mean, who's who's the we that's buying surface-to-air missiles? Oh, those I wouldn't be buying those. I was saying that if a protection organization felt as though that was necessary to protect their customers, they would be able to go and and do that. I don't know if they would decide that or not. I'm not sure what the marketplace is I'm, demanding. I'm trying to get a grip on that. That's a little weird. That's like you're saying there's going to be some peep. There might be a rich guy who says, "Okay, I'm going to own some nukes," and then there's going to be another dude out there or another group of people that kind of. Do that too, or okay. I, I don't get you. Well, protection organizations would be in the marketplace. They would be companies, and they'd be competing for your business based on a variety of different factors. And uh, one of those factors would be how safe you feel. So I'm what I'm telling you is I don't know. I cannot pre- uh, predict how the marketplace will respond to consumer demand for protection services. Yeah, I, don't yeah, imagine, no, I, don't I don't imagine. I don't imagine. I'm still answering your question. I don't imagine wait, wait, that wait, there would I be a lot of. Uh, hang on, Glenn. I don't imagine okay. there would be a lot of demand for things like surface-to-air missiles, but if there is, then the protection companies would install such things. So does that answer your question? No, I think it's ridiculous because, uh, you know, if you, have a, if you have other countries out there that have nuclear weapons and that, that can attack us, if we don't have any, or if there is no we, if it's just a, you know... So then why would the other countries be attacking? What would the point of that be? Who knows? Just because they feel like it. It's Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> you, you think that's actually why... They didn't take the vow. They didn't take the vow. That's why. That's hilarious. <laughs> Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Despite uh, you know, their attitude, it is a, it's a question I think that some people will have. Uh, and that is that, well, what about the other countries, and what if they want to attack what was formerly known as the United States? And I have to ask, well, what's the motivation there? Right. I mean, aren't they upset I mean, at the U.S. government? They're, and when I say they, I mean, it's really hard to to say that because there's they, so those many who different are groups. governments. Right. So we'll say, I'll say they right now for lack of a better word on, off the top of my head. But when you're talking about, I mean, if... Let me start over. Okay, sure. I feel like they, and and this is just my opinion, but they, if there was ever a time where they wanted to attack us, I mean, I mean, they're as, as angry as they could ever be. I mean, we're in as many countries as we've ever been. Over 130 countries, over 700 military right. bases. And the United States really doesn't get attacked that often. Now, when I say that, that makes some people angry, and I do not want to come off as 
somebody who thinks that 9-11 was no big deal. I lost four family members in 9-11, so I think I'm allowed to have an opinion on this. <laughs> okay, I think so. Well, sometimes people get really yeah, nasty sure, sure. when you say things like this, so I just want to make it known that I don't think that... You know, I mean, I, I don't look at that as, as though it's nothing. You know well, what I mean? I lost some family members in it. But 9-11 wasn't an attack from another country. Right. It was attacked by some individuals who were not associated with any governmental organization. Right. And and then, of course, you need to look at the reason why it was attacked. And, of course, there's lots of speculation as far as that's concerned. But I feel like if we weren't, and I say we, I mean the United States government wasn't meddling around in other countries as they've been for years and years and mm-hmm. years that stuff like that just wouldn't happen. And when you when you look at terrorist attacks on a whole, the United States really isn't experiencing terrorist attacks. I mean, no, 9-11 was terrible, if but you, I if mean, you if go you're, to other countries... Well, when you say the United States isn't experiencing terrorist attacks, you mean by the typical definition of terrorist, not the actual definition, which would include all government agents? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I mean, if you go to other countries, they've got bombs going off in the streets. Americans right. don't have any reason to really be afraid. And Penn and Teller pointed that out in one of their episodes. I, I think Penn it was Big BS. Brother. Yeah, and it was an excellent episode. They had uh, some people, they they pretended like they were from Homeland Security, and mm-hmm. they had these people in surveillance trucks supposedly watching terrorists. And then over here to distract them, they had like a naked lady or something like that yeah. making out with some guy in the front window. They were watching them. Right. And sex. every single person, I think except for one, and the guy who it was, he was from like Sudan or something like that. So he wasn't even born in the United States. <laughs> he was the only one that actually kept the camera right. on the supposed terrorists. Did his job. Yeah, and yeah. did his job, and everybody else went over to the the sexy lady and man making mm-hmm. out. And the reason why is because we're not really scared, because we don't have <laughs> yeah. a reason to be scared. And they pointed out, you think that if that was the Jews during the Holocaust, you think they would have looked at, you know, if they were mm-hmm. watching the Nazis, you think they would have looked away at a sexy lady? Good no, point. because they were terrified, and they had reason to be. So if there was no U.S. federal government, then the other countries, the people that are uh, that make up the governments in other uh, other countries around the world, would have no real reason to be attacking uh, geographic areas that have not threatened them in any way. I mean, the fact is that not all countries in the world have nuclear weapons. We know that for a fact, don't we? I mean, there are only certain countries of certain sizes, China, the U.S., and Russia, and I mean, there are some others, some smaller ones, but not every country, not all the 200-plus countries have nuclear weapons, so why is it that the countries with nukes aren't just going ahead and dropping nuclear weapons on the other countries because it's Sunday, or they didn't take the vow? Well, it's because those other countries that don't, don't have... Don't want to get nuked. Well, well no, it's because... The, no, I'm talking about why are the countries with the nuclear weapons, oh, why aren't okay. they attacking? the countries without the nuclear weapons well what's the point why there's nothing there's no reason to go and blow up some other country if they have not threatened you in any way and a uh, a former united states which in no way resembles the former united states because the federal government is no longer around would not be threatening the rest of the world now, if California decided they wanted to arm up and start threatening and, and send out military ships, then you could better believe that California would be under some sort of level of risk of an attack. But if New Hampshire was no longer involved in the United States and we were not meddling in other people's uh, – we, the people who live in New Hampshire, were not meddling in other people's countries, then what incentive would they have to drop bombs? doesn't make any sense, does it? 
I'm trying to figure out a way to word this because I've been thinking about this while we've been talking about it. And another thing is that if the federal government didn't exist, see, I don't think of I don't think in terms of we and I don't I don't. I don't think of myself as like a United States citizen or whatever. I'm just an individual. And I think that if the federal government was abolished and there was no more United States, then we would be no different as far as on the map is concerned uh, than Canada, which right now Canada gets nuked. And the United States people, eh, it's pretty close. It's a little scary. But, hey, at least it wasn't us, right? So I feel like if the federal government was abolished and everybody wasn't thinking in these terms of we as the United States, we would all be individuals responsible for protecting ourselves. Mm, And that would go a lot further than a few people trying to protect this whole huge, massive country. Which it's not protected. Right. It's certainly not protected. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. I mean, number one, the military is not even really here. So, if anything, the the reason why the country's protected is because people own guns and they would protect themselves. Again, going back to what you said with individuals protecting themselves. You take control, bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features... They're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you want to help support this show, you can learn how to promote Free Talk Live over at promote.freetalklive.com. Just a whole bunch of different ways, uh, most of them very, very uh, low cost. Most, most Actually, mostly are free, some low cost ways to help promote Free Talk Live. Get the show into more ears around the world. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls, Clarence in Oklahoma, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Clarence. Hello, great to talk to you all. Yes, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, You brought up some very interesting uh, uh, questions during your uh, last 45 minutes or so. Okay. And one of them was, uh, who's going to protect the the nuclear weapons or whatever we have? I'm a retired federal employee. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the first 10 years of my life were spent in uh, federal law enforcement, Uh, three years in the Air Force and seven years as a civil service police officer. As I recall, I I do recognize your voice. I recall that uh, you did not have a very good experience working for the federal government. No, I didn't. Okay. But I, I, I will make this defense of them. And that is? That is uh, that you know if you have black water out there, yeah, you, know, you can hire black water. You could hire whoever they hired. Yes. Uh, contractors. Okay. To stand on those gates at a. This is a military installation. There's important stuff out there. You mean like a uh, military people, installation where they're housing things like nuclear weapons? Is that what you're talking I about? I don't. I I cannot speak to that. <laughs> okay, something top secret. Well, I'm just the fact that it's federal installation. Got it. Valuable. Okay. And uh, then after 9/11. So wait, you're 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 saying that they I'm hired contractors? After 9/11. Yeah. I, in a way, I'm I'm not going. I, I, in a way, I'm going to come a circular around and kind of agree with you. 
All right. What we're doing here is, remember after 9-11, everybody jumped up and down. We need federal people there at the airport so they can, you know, make you take your shoes off. Right. Do whatever they want to to you. And so they got federal employees out there doing that. They do. They're the TSA. Yet there's an airport just across the city from me, and that's where they do that. Yet across the city, there's also a federal, there's an Air Force base where they have contractors doing that. Now tell, tell me what, how this makes any sense. You're saying that uh, that the feds were claiming that contractors were not good enough in the airport, so they replaced them with federal agents. But yet, yeah. at their own installations, they're using contractors, and no, you know, no big deal. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't add up. Well, yeah, it's it's security theater. I mean, that, we know that the TSA is essentially a big show for people. It doesn't do anything to actually prevent, and I'm sure you know this. It doesn't do Absolutely. anything uh, to prevent any sort of terrorism. Uh, and so, really, since people see the airports and they know what's going on at the airports, it was a visible thing the feds could do to to pat themselves on the back and to say, "Hey, look, we're doing something. We're doing something about this terrorism. See, we're making these employees federal." I mean, nobody's paying attention to what's going on in the installation you're talking about so that might be the explanation as to why the inconsistency you are absolutely right on that score any other thoughts for us clarence pardon do you have any other thoughts for us tonight no but that i just wanted to to just to bring that up because (laughs) i work for the federal government as you said Uh, i i I, after 32 years i retired from there and i learned to know and loathe them (laughs) <laughs> and welcome aboard. I'm glad you're out there listening. I thank you for the call and the expertise. And it's an interesting point. Uh, the inconsistency, quite uh, quite obvious there, that, well, if feds are better at security, then why didn't they federalize their entire security force? You know, in fact, I found out that the uh, the federal agents, supposedly federal agents, that are actually doing security for the federal courthouse in Concord, New Hampshire, are not federal employees. They're contractors. Really? Yep. Hmm. Which is why they won't answer the question if they, uh, if you ask them if they uh, swore an oath to the Constitution, they won't answer the question. How convenient. Because they didn't. So are they still held accountable? I mean, like, because federal agents generally have sovereign immunity. What about contractors? I don't know what the details are on that. It's a good question. Maybe somebody that knows more than we do can comment at 1-800-259-9231. They probably can spend more money that way. You spend more money on the contractors? Yeah, they probably pay a fortune for that. Maybe so. A lot of them were retired cops, too. Yeah. And so they're Mm. making buku bucks uh, doing courtroom security. They spend more money. They get more money next year. So we all know how they like to spend money. Let's talk to Joe in New Hampshire. Joe, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's on your mind, Joe? I met you uh, yesterday at Panera. Oh, excellent. Uh, one of the new movers, uh, Free State Project, new movers uh, here to the Keene area. Uh, welcome aboard, Joe. What uh, What were you calling about tonight? Uh, I just wanted to call about the about marijuana laws, and I think uh, that people need to wake up about the restricting laws that's really that's going on. I mean, we're allowed, uh, you know, all these drugs in our house. You know, you open your cabinet. How many can you overdose from? How many things in the cabinet can you overdose from? Yeah, I could go pour chem- you know I could go pour cleaning chemicals down my throat if I wanted to. 
You know, yeah, nobody's exactly. stopping me. So what's the government coming into your house and saying, no, you can't do that? Not yet, but they could. I mean, eventually they might. Well, there is a big like label on all of the cleaning chemicals that said, this must be used for this purpose and this purpose alone. Right, it's a federal violation yes. of federal law to use for any purposes other than the la- what the label know? specifies. Right. So what's uh, what's stopping the government from uh, you know labeling uh, marijuana and uh, doing the research on that to uh, you know? Well, there is that, no uh, reason to do marijuana it. except for uh, recreation, right? So. Well, that's what the feds yeah, would like you to believe. Yeah, that's what they would like you to believe. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you uh, that you bring this up and you happen to have moved to Keene. Were you aware that there's going to be a marijuana protest coming up here in early January? Uh, well, I was uh, planning on uh, doing my own, but I'm not, I didn't hear about this one. It's yeah, head over to forum.freekeen.com, and there's a thread there that will link you to some more details. Uh, one of the oh, free great. staters, he actually lives over in uh, in Manchester, but he's going to come out to Keene to specifically do the protest, I guess sort of a symbolic gesture because Keene is kind oh, of right. the green the guy they want to, He wants to, um, you know... He doesn't smoke marijuana, but he that's just wants to possess it. Yep, that's the one. Uh, his awesome. name is Andrew, and he does not smoke it. And you know, I don't think he vaporizes it either, uh, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is not a user of marijuana. And he will be possessing, uh, holding a, a bud of marijuana in his hand in public on January 10th. And I think that uh, he's, a, he's a, a heroic, courageous individual. Uh, and again, there's more details over at freekeen.com. So hope to see you out for that one. Any other thoughts for us tonight, Joe? Yeah, I just want to say everyone needs to lock their doors during that. You know, everyone needs to get inside, get in their basements, and, you know, it's the most threatening thing in the world to have a, a butt of marijuana in your hand. Oh, yes. Uh, society might crumble uh, if Andrew is allowed to actually possess the marijuana successfully. Thanks for the call, Got Joe. It. I appreciate I'll, hearing uh, from you, sir. 800-259-9231. You know, what's really funny about that is he's really not doing anything different than, and do you know what kind of marijuana is he is he holding a nug of marijuana i believe that's to be the plan okay well i gotta tell you that i know lots of people who have that very same nug in their pockets yes. when they walk around so it's so silly to claim that marijuana is, is everywhere yes whether you like it or not you know let's go to sam in texas uh, from the obscure truth network sam you should be here in new hampshire uh, living in the Keene area by january 10th are you planning to attend the marijuana protest Oh, you know, I've been so busy, I haven't even thought about it, but yeah, I'll be there. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) So that should be exciting. And you're calling tonight for what? To tell us something? I had a a really fun little outing today, and uh, I went and hassled some bureaucrats. I thought I'd tell you about it. Really? What was it it about? Well, um, I I called in, I think, a couple weeks ago, a little bit after around Thanksgiving, to talk about how I took those open records requests into the police department asking for all the a description of all the records they keep, and I also asked for case files so I could look through them for problems. Mm-hmm. And the 10 days has expired. And, they didn't um, get back to you? They didn't get back to me on huh. one. He sent a letter back asking a question, and yeah, I read the, my response back to him. And then in the other case, they did get back to me, but there was a big problem with what they sent me. Uh, they've sent those 25 uh, magistrate forms, but there were. I asked for the complete case files, and I asked to inspect the originals, and they didn't comply with the request. So, so they're not following their own rules. And it got really interesting today. We're going to yeah. get the details from you here in a moment. Hang on. We'll bring, uh, bring back Sam after the news, and we'll talk to you about what you want. Plus, Julia uh, might have a story for us here. We'll find out.
about drugs. 1-800-259-9231, hour two. On the way, you take control. This is Free Talk Live. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program, and you can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you as we launch here into hour number two. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. The number again, 1-800-259-9231, and join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you to access their website. We give it away, so enjoy it on us at freetalklive.com. As we go to a man who has his own website, obscuredtruth.com, Sam is on the line as he prepares to uh, move from his home in Texas up here to uh, beautiful Keene, New Hampshire, to join, or I guess you've already joined the Free State Project, but to join the hundreds of other activists who have made the move. And I know that uh, a number of people are, are really looking forward to uh, to you coming up here because, well, I mean, I think you're a hero to a lot of people, Sam. You've been doing a lot of activism all on your lonesome, really, without any hardly anybody else to back you up down there in, uh, in Texas. And, of course, you've been calling in over the past six months or so and telling us all about it, well, maybe even longer than that, but telling us all about the, the, yeah, almost a year at this point, uh, telling us about the, the amazing things you've done alone. And I think a lot of activists up here are excited to be able to back you up when you're out there doing these things uh, in the future here in New Hampshire. And you were just getting into telling us uh, about your adventures in legal land today, uh, which involved the government people down there in Texas. You had requested some records for them. Was this in relation to one of the speeding tickets that you'd gotten? I forget what it was in relation to. Uh, this is actually not in relation to anything. You can just, as a citizen, go down to the court and ask to look at some case files. I see. So that's, so that's what you were looking for. That's what I did in one case. Now, it just so happened that my brother happened to be arrested in the uh, period that I asked for all the records, all the case files for, mm-hmm. and they decided to to not include that one in what they sent me. So they secreted a government document from an official open records request, which is a felony. Uh, but they didn't seem too concerned about that. Uh, and in another case, I dropped off a open records request to the police department to find out who this officer is that was criminally trespassing outside my property that I was telling to leave, that agreed to leave, and then didn't leave. Oh, yeah, and that's right, all... that's right. And you posted that, did you, you did post that video over at obs- uh, ObscuredTruth.com, right? No, not, not yet. Oh, not yet, um, okay. I, I've... I, I'm kind of putting a story together. I think I'm going to wait until I get up to New Hampshire and then okay. put a nice series together on all of this stuff. Soon to come, you'll be able to see that footage. Uh, yes, obscure, but obscure you can hear the latest right here on Free Talk Live. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, th- th- this other request went to the police department asking for all their records, so I know exactly what to go in and ask for. And it's really kind of a pain in the butt request because they're not giving up this officer's name and all of these cops, all these supervisors, keep stepping in to shield this officer from prosecution so that I can't find out who he is. And they're right. breaking laws in the process. You're just so trying I'm, to find out the guy's name so you yeah. can go after him. And uh, they, they're, they're trying to create dead ends for you. And so today, today you say that uh, I guess the deadline had passed for them to get the records to you at this point? Yes. And so I went in also, I paid the last uh, speeding ticket, the $400 that they wanted, mm-hmm. and I asked for their tax ID. 
so that I could fill out a W-9 form and report that to the IRS to make sure that they're paying taxes on it. <laughs> and uh, they told me to go to the city hall. And then I said, uh, okay, you know, there's, there's one more thing to this, this clerk. And I pulled out the um, 25 cases that they, they sent me, and I said, uh, I got this uh, in the mail. Now I asked to inspect the originals, and uh, these are copies. So, but I, since you've sent them all photocopied to me, I assume you've gathered the records and they're ready for me to inspect. So <laughs> I'm ready to take a look at them. And she's just like, you know, fumbling around. Well, um, why did this come from the police? And I said, that's a good question because in the envelope, they didn't remember, they didn't send any kind of cover letter. There was nobody's name on who sent it. Hmm. And it came from the police department. And I was requesting records from the court. Interesting. It turns out the city has the uh, the Plano Police Department has its own attorney who works for Greg Russian, who is the chief of police. Okay. Now, Greg Russian is the guy that I'm accusing of a criminal conspiracy because all of his supervisors are shielding this man from prosecution that was trespassing on my property. And so now that the lawyer didn't respond to this open records request, he's joined into that criminal conspiracy, and it's just gotten bigger, and it looks worse for them. Wow. You see how it builds here? Yeah, cause, because they, they're all trying to protect one another. It's a good old boys network. It's the uh, thin blue line. Well, it's more than that, though. I mean, because they're not all cops. You're talking That's about true, a, yeah. a lawyer and, and some of the other bureaucrats as well. It's uh, really it's attacking the, the system itself, right. and they, they, can't, they can't have that going on. So um, I pulled out those 25 cases, and I said, look, um, we've got a real problem here because these are court records. And uh, either not all the records are in here, and if that's the case, this Clerk 29, uh, he's secreted records from an official open records request, and that's a felony, and I'm going to put him in front of the grand jury. Uh, if they are complete and you're saying that this is your response to the request, then there are documents missing from every one of these. There's not a single criminal complaint in any of these case files, and I know that uh, this court wouldn't have jurisdiction if there's no sworn criminal complaint. So they had to be in there. The question is, who's got them? Because whoever's got them is committing a felony in the state of Texas because they have them to the exclusion of the clerk of the court. And, and if it was you 25... committing a felony, they wouldn't hesitate to to do, I guess, arrest you might yeah. not be the right word. but I'll arrest uh, you, sure. Arrest you oh, eventually. absolutely. So I told her, and there's 25 right there, so that's 25 felonies. <laughs> Somebody needs to look into this and find out who's got those records. Nice. Hold on, sir. Let me uh, let me go talk to my supervisor. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want to deal with years. that crap. <laughs> I wouldn't want to either. <laughs> and I had a cameraman behind me this time. One of my neighbors runs a business, really? and he loaned me one of his employees, who's a big Ron Paul supporter. Oh, cool. To camera to film it, so oh, great. It's, we've got better footage this time. And uh, eventually, I get the uh, the supervisor for the court, the lady that works directly for the judge. And she comes out. So this is not the says, clerk. It's it's a, some sort of head office lady. She's the uh, she's the uh, the court administrator, I think. Okay. She's like the the supervisor over the court was my understanding. All right. So she tells me, you know, well, we don't have those records, and I'm like, well, who's got them? Where are they? Well, we don't know. Mm. And she called uh, these lawyers and stuff at City Hall and everywhere else, and I asked for all their names and started filling out my contact sheet, getting all this information. And um, she tells me to call the, um, uh, the Mr. Gray, the, or, uh, 
sorry, the, the police uh, attorney, and I said, well, he's the one that didn't respond to the request I sent to the police department. He's a criminal. I'm not going to him. You need to find somebody else that's not a criminal to respond to this. And she looked at me just like, well, I, that's all I can do. You have to go see him. Mm. So did you go see him? <laughs> well, not quite. Um, they walked away for a little bit and went back and conferenced again. The guy, we went in at lunchtime, so the, the uh, office or the waiting area of people paying tickets was pretty packed. And the guy next to me looked over and he's like, are you a lawyer? And I used one of Randy Kelton's lines, and I said, oh, no, I'm much worse than a lawyer. I'm not afraid of judges. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he goes, dude, what's your website? Awesome. <laughs> starts writing it down. Um, so they eventually come back and tell me, you know, the records aren't there and so forth. Um, so then I go over to City Hall to visit with the city attorneys and find out uh, just what's going on, because I believe that they are supervising this police uh, attorney. Um, I didn't know at that point that he worked for Greg. Now, uh, I go in there, and we get these two nice secretaries sitting at the lady. They ask what it's about, and I start to explain the felony charges that I'm, I'm witnessing here. And the one lady turns to the other and goes, you better go get the attorneys right now. Mm. <laughs> she gets up and runs through the back room. The uh, city attorney comes out. She orders the cameras off, and I tell her, oh, absolutely oh. not. Yeah. And uh, so she tells one of the other lawyers to call the police, and I told her, Great. don't bother. I'm calling them right now. Nice. And so I got my cameraman's phone, and I called 911. <laughs> Did you do this on camera? Is there footage of this, too? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I called the... I'm just in- imagining their faces just turning white. <laughs> well, they... See, what she did is she didn't call the 911. She called, she's got the number, so she called the watch commander and had him come out. Uh-huh. So now I've got another, and it's a guy I haven't met yet, so now we have another supervisor being called out, which is not real bright for them because if he breaks the law, he joins the criminal conspiracy, <laughs> and now there's yet another supervisor in there. Oh, the suspense is building. Hang on, Sam. We're going to come back. We'll find out what happens. So you were both were calling the police at the same time. Uh, we'll get to the rest of the story here in a moment. Sam confronting the bureaucracy, and he's... I like the idea of playing their game, you know? Using with video cameras. Yep. I like the idea of doing it with video cameras and uh, seeing what they do about it. So we'll find out what happened to Sam here in moments and take your calls as well about what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. The features on the site include the bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free over at BBS dot freetalklive.com that's bbs.freetalklive.com and check out bureaucrash's podcrash where your host zach fix provides an interesting principled look at the issues listen as they discuss activism market alternatives to government services and cultural issues with liberty-minded thinkers musicians entrepreneurs and activists part entertaining part informative Always pro-freedom at Bureaucrash.com. That's Bureaucrash.com as we go to a man who has some experience in crashing the bureaucracy, Sam from the Obscured Truth Network. 
and he continues uh, to to uh, crash, I, I suppose, for lack of a better term, uh, going Fine. in and using their system publicly, bringing in cameras and audio recorders and showing people what the reality is with this government system, that it's not there to serve and protect, except to serve and protect itself. It's certainly not, uh, they are certainly not your servants as much as they might proclaim to be. And uh, that's something that you've certainly uncovered here, Sam, as you have requested, uh, put in a request for some records. And the government bureaucrats have essentially dodged the request, and you went in there uh, looking for the records. You went to the, the court, which is where the records were supposed to be. They told you they didn't have them, so you asked them who did. They told you you need to go talk to, I believe it was the police chief. And They said, we don't know where they are. <laughs> right, but I thought they suggested that you should go talk to the police chief. and The uh, lawyer for the police department. Oh, okay, I gotcha. And you said that didn't make you feel too comfortable because considering um, one of the people you were going after in uh, essentially this whole process is you were going after the police chief for essentially committing a felony. Is that right? Exactly. If, if they're secreting documents from open records requests, then it's a felony. If they are denying me of my rights or uh, privileges or whatever, then it's 3903, which is a Class A misdemeanor. So it's a little lighter in that case. So you've begun just kind of um, taking down names of all these bureaucrats who are obfuscating and trying to uh, misdirect you and protect the other bureaucrats. There's one particular uh, cop whose name you're trying to uh, unearth. Uh, that's one of the things you're trying to do here. And it seems like the, the system is just clamping down to do whatever it can to prevent you from uh, from finding this information out. So where do we leave off in your story? Can you just briefly recap and then continue? Sure. So I was in the city attorney's office in City Hall talking to them because I believed that was one of the ladies, one of the uh, people that the uh, head lady at the court called and uh, got advice, legal advice from. So I went and talked to them. You know, they saw the cameras. Eventually, that when the, once the attorneys came out, demanded I turn them off. I was said, it the attorneys no that demanded that? Yeah, it was the head attorney for the uh -huh. city of Plano. And see, now I'm getting to the heads of the court, to the head attorney in the city, so because my complaints are becoming more dangerous, more effective. So now they're, you know, it's immediately going to the head of the department, which is very good. Great. And he did not um, want you to have the camera on, so they threatened you with calling the police. You said you'd call the police. You pulled out your cell phone and uh, began to uh, do that. And I think that's where we left off. Right. So... We both called the police, and two <laughs> officers show up. I got there. Oh, while I was on the phone with 911, they had me repeat exactly what the allegation was, the mm -hmm. 3903. And I think it's because the 911 operator was getting other people on the phone. Now, if next time I, I'm going to call them on that, and if they're bringing, like, if she brings the chief on or any of these sergeants who are named in these criminal complaints, then... She's aiding and abetting in this criminal conspiracy, and I can go after the 911 operator. Um, so nice. I'm going to have some fun with that. So the two uh, cops showed up. Did they show up at different times? Were they responding to the two different calls, or were they together? Yeah, they did. So the, the watch commander was called on his personal phone. I called 911. The two officers show up first, and then the watch commander comes in shortly. I get his name. And then I, you know, we start talking, and the lawyers want to meet with me in the back room without the cameras. Of course. I ask uh, the officer if they're going to arrest this uh, attorney for 3903, deny me of my right. She refuses. Mm. I ask him if they're going to. What's swear your name, this, officer? Uh, <laughs> well, I ask him if they're going to swear this this criminal complaint that I have or authenticated, which is their duty as a police officer, and they both refused. Uh -oh. Then I turned to the watch commander and said. 
you going to do anything about this? And he goes, I'm not going to arrest the sergeant. I said, okay, so you're, you know, you're going to join them, <laughs> basically. Wow. So now I've got criminal charges against the three of them for failure to uphold their duty. Um, I go back in the uh, room back there, and there's two attorneys. The cops try and come in, but they're like, no, we don't need you guys. It's okay. So you had, yeah. you had agreed to leave the camera outside? Yeah. Just to see what they had to say? My cameraman stayed out there, and as soon as I left, they told him, you get out of here. And he, he's not as experienced as I am, right. so he stepped out of the office. Gotcha. And uh, I'm talking to them, though, in, the, in this room. She tells me to sit down. I Were you rolling audio on them by chance? Um, yes and no. I'll have to explain that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had some problems because, you know, new cameraman, and I, I didn't prep all my equipment exactly, so right. some things didn't get captured that, okay. oh, would have been so beautiful. Um, so I explained, you know, what's going on, and uh, they're just, they're laughing at me at first, okay? Right, aha, amateur, you don't know what you're doing. And then I, I showed them how they responded to the open records request, and I said, if this is the response then, and these records are missing, we've, you guys have a big problem. Mm-hmm. And whoever responded to this, and she stopped me, and she goes, well, who, who, was, who responded to it? So I pulled out and said, look, I got this, a copy of my uh, open records request, a, fo- a stapled photocopy of the 25 case files in an envelope with no cover letter, yeah. nobody's name on it, and no return address, and it's a, it's a document, it's a records request asking for court records, and it was returned from the police department. Mm. Who's going to explain this? <laughs> and she looked, and then once I laid out the 25 felonies and things, the situation changed. They did not want me making those allegations. They started correcting me and, and really getting defensive. Mm. And, I mean, it was so much fun. So they got pretty nervous then is what you're saying, these attorneys. They did a little bit. I, you know, I think they're starting to get scared and realize, uh-oh, this guy may be able to do something here. Mm. Um, so we, in that meeting, uh, I walk out and leave and go down to the police department to see this guy who is the criminal. And we, he finally comes out in the lobby. I start asking him. Now, wait, him, who is he, this? Who are you talking th- to? This is the attorney for the police department. Okay. The one who didn't respond to the, uh, the police request. And I think that he's the one who sent me the 25 case files. Got it. But didn't put his name on it. And I told the lawyers, I said, whoever didn't put their name on it did so because they committed a felony because there's documents missing from mm. here. And they, when they heard that, it was... Yeah, it changed the situation. <laughs> so you got so, to talk to this guy. Yeah, so he comes out in the uh, police lobby there. Was your cameraman back at this point? He was back. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we had a problem with the firewire cable, and it didn't get recorded. Darn it. He, uh, I start asking him about these documents. He That's why denying. when you get here to New Hampshire, we need two cameramen. We need five. Fail, absolutely. The more the merrier. Hang on, Sam. We're going to bring you back more with Sam from the Obscured Truth Network. You can see some of his work, uh, see some of the footage, not from this particular incident, but past uh, past encounters with the bureaucrats over at ObscuredTruth.com to see where he's coming from on all this. A 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. And those features include live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, as well as a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Of course, the uh, program is brought to you by the Free State Project. And specifically, we're promoting the Liberty Forum at this point in time. Uh, You know about the Free State Project if you listen to this show. Uh, We talk a lot about it because, well, we're participants. Uh, Julia, you and I, we both moved up here back in 2006 as uh, participants in the Free State Project. The point, of course, is to gather as many liberty-loving activists here in New Hampshire as possible. And there have been hundreds of uh, movers so far. People have moved from all across the country, some even from around the world, uh, moving here to New Hampshire in order to get active for liberty. And somebody leveled a critique recently on the Free Talk Live BBS uh, saying that, well, Ian, you talk a good game about how centralization is bad, but yet you support the Free State Project. And I think Dennis got... hmm? Well, I was just thinking... I can understand sort of the confusion in that, and I believe that was in the topic that was about the critique that I had about you. It was. Um, but I think that the confusion there just tends to be that, like, the Free State Project may sound like a centralized idea, but it's it's really, I mean, there's no people in charge of the Free State Project, which right. actually really aggravates a lot of the bureaucrats. Oh, it like, does. It confuses always, them. Who's in charge here? Right. But nobody's in charge. All the Free State Project is is... An agreement to move, and that's it. Like, I don't ever think about the Free State Project or talk about the Free State Project because... Outside of the show. Right, because right. I don't... I mean, I, I'm just, I just live in New Hampshire now, and sometimes when I have time and I feel like it, I do activism. Right, so the difference is uh, between... The difference between centralization and gathering people together is that centralization, when we talk about centralization, that means like centralized command and control, where there is some sort of leader, and that leader delegates tasks, and there's an organization, and everybody's part of the organization, they follow the leader. That's kind of centralization as we know. It. When we're centralizing right. power, if that's we, what happens. If the Free State Project member had a, or the Free State Project had a board, and, and there is a board, but they just really deal with like funding and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if there was a board, like an activism board, and we all had to appeal to the board, and the board spent years trying to figure out what what we should all be doing. Yeah, you go over here and do this, and yeah. you go do that, and no, you can't do that, but that you can do this. Would be centralized, and that would not work. Exactly. Whereas concentration is a completely different situation. What the Free State Project is all about is about concentration activism and a lot of those activists are going to be meeting up and hanging out and socializing and doing a little after hours partying and uh, and essentially gathering together in a convention style atmosphere at the upcoming liberty forum you can meet a number of the people that you hear on this show not just free talk live though we'll be there uh broadcasting live but also some of the personalities that you hear on the phone lines uh, i believe uh, sam from the obscure truth network may actually be in attendance at the liberty forum this year are you planning on it sam Absolutely. Great. So uh, we'll definitely look forward. I'm sure a number of our listeners are looking forward to getting the chance to meet you. Uh, You might have your cameras there from ObscureTruth.com. And uh, people can go to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to get registered and do it soon, like real soon, because the early bird discount price is going to go away, I believe, in the next couple days. So go now to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Use our discount code, which is 2009FTL, and save yourself 10%. That's 2009FTL. And get registered for the 2009 Liberty Forum. It's happening, by the way, the first weekend of March. So, uh, Sam, you're telling us a story about what happened to you today. 
down in Texas, uh, where you've been kind of raising a ruckus uh, with the, the the Texas bureaucrats down there. Uh, you've gone in, you've asked for a, uh, you've made an official records request, and they have done everything they possibly can to prevent you from getting the records that you're looking for. Uh, they point you in different directions, and the bureaucrats say it's not their responsibility. Go talk to this other bureaucrat. Uh, you went and you uh, you did that. And you've now the, the where you left off in your story was you're confronting the attorney for the police department in there in the lobby. Is that right? Yes. Who works for the chief. OK. And he is also the attorney who ignored an open records request and secreted government documents, which is a felony. Got it. So um, unfortunately, we had a camera problem and didn't capture this. It, it was pretty quick. He came out. I started laying out the felony charges in front of him and asking him who responded from the police department to this request, who sent this letter. And um, it didn't take too much of that before he just said, we're done talking, and Mm -hmm. turned and left and was laughing as he walked away. Wow. Oh, it's funny to him. That's going to look great in front of the grand jury. Wow. (laughs) And that that was it. You know, I couldn't do anything else. so I, 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 we left. We, I went back home, uh, reviewed some of the footage, and I decided to call the county uh, court. Now, this is where the grand jury process happens. And really, mm-hmm. I've, I already had enough to go to the district attorney at the county court. So hold on but, a second. Question on the grand jury process, since I know next to nothing about it. Uh, is mm-hmm. there a grand jury in each county? Yes, okay. and in I, what I found out, this is I called this lady to find out all the information about how it works in Texas. In Texas, in this county, there's two. They meet on Tuesday and Thursday every week. Mm-hmm. In Keene, it's probably lighter than that, maybe once a month. Um, they rotate the judges, so I know the judges who are impaneling the grand jury, so I know who to bring criminal complaints to now. And um, they sit for six months, and they told me that the grand jury is already out and the new one will be impaneled in January. They don't know who they're going to be yet, and I think they may be meeting tomorrow. So I'm going to go down and see if they're meeting tomorrow, and if they are. So you think they were lying to you about the grand jury being done? I think the lady who works for the judges who sets up the grand jury might be lying to me, and if she is, that's a big, big problem. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So how are you going to find out if the grand jury is meeting? I mean, they might not tell you that. Well, I, I'm not going to need them to tell me. I'm going to find it. Hmm. I, I, don't, I can't go into too much of that. You have a plan. There's a secret. Okay. So you have to wait. <laughs> um, so uh, while I've got her on the phone, I'm, I'm asking, you know, okay, so once the grand jury is done with their deliberations, do they come and present them in open court? Because the Criminal Code of Procedure in Texas, Article 124, says public trial. The proceedings and trials in all courts shall be public. Hmm. And I asked her, so once they're done deliberating, they come and present the indictments in open court, right? Because presenting an indictment from the grand jury is a proceeding in a case. It shall be public. They have no option. Right. And she said, oh, no, no, they, uh, they, they, they just come to me and I enter them on the judge's behalf in, in private. Hmm. And I said, are you aware that's in violation of the criminal code? Well, I just do what they tell me. Mm, just following orders. <laughs> so I told her, you know, she's... She's in violation of 124, and she didn't seem uh, too concerned with that at all. And and she said, uh, no, no, these are done in secret. Oh, my. And she just confessed to a, to a crime on the phone with me and then told me to uh, call the district attorney 
and I'm going to do something a little better than that tomorrow, and your listeners will have to wait and see. Ooh, very intriguing. Is. So you got the phone call recorded with her as well? Yes, and that's I actually sent that to you in an email. I saw that. I hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet, so uh, so that's where it lies. You're going to continue this process tomorrow as you hunt, try to hunt down uh, the grand jury to see if they actually are still impaneled or not. Yes. Okay. Anything else you wanted to share tonight, Sam? Uh, that's all. I'm really looking forward to getting up to New Hampshire. Uh, the uh, Attending the events, it's funny. I haven't even thought of that. I, I've always watched the videos afterwards. It's going to be a whole other experience to be there in person and get to take part in it. Yep. We're looking forward to it, and I thank you for the call and the story, and good luck tomorrow, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Sam. 800-259-9231. Sam from the Obscure Truth Network. ObscureTruth.com. i got to say, to use a cliche statement, he has the patience of a saint because I... Dealing with the bureaucrats? Gosh, that, I, about two hours of that, I'd be done. Gosh. When he's describing all these RSAs and mm. and the talking, you know, where they transfer you from bureaucrat to bureaucrat, I hate that. That infuriates me so much because where I work, I'm the only person that the call is ever transferred to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, I need to talk to a manager. Okay, what can I do for you? And, and if you take care of it. I take care of it. And if I can't take care of it, I get the person's number. I call the person who I know can take care of it, figure out what to do, yeah. and then call them back. Well, you have responsibility in your job, whereas the bureaucrats, they don't really understand that concept. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. If you take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Now, if you like the fact that we give you the features on the website for free, and the show is free, and you like the show, and you want to help us out, you can become an amplifier. You can join the AMP program, which stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. Join it for 3 bucks a month over at amp.freetalklive.com. Uh, you can do that, and that will get you a few perks. You'll get access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. But most importantly, you'll be helping get Free Talk Live into new ears around the world via radio stations across the United States or via you know the Internet, bringing new listeners on that way. And we've got some, some actually some bigger plans, uh, global uh, satellite channels around the world. So people in uh, Australia and, and Europe and things like that uh, could pick us up off of uh, the satellite, which would be pretty cool, too. So you can get all the details on all that information over at amp.freetalklive.com and help us out. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Jumping into the email box here, this one from Jeff. He says, a while back... You guys talked about what would happen to basic research without government. It was implied by a caller that most research would just end without the government, since a lot of it has no commercial benefit. I would think that research would just be beginning without the government. Well, there would be a lot of things you could do research on that the (laughs) government prohibits. Exactly. Uh, And and according to this emailer, he says, That caller is wrong. Of all the research and development done, 70% is done by business and 30% is done by government. He cites a Wikipedia article uh, on that. And he says that most research won't miss a beat without the government. But let's look at what government does, because there is that 30%, and see if it won't continue after government ends. The government's National Science Foundation tracks all of the U.S. government's spending on research and development. 
And apparently, according to the NSF's own statistics, the government spent $116 billion on research in 2007. Now, that seems like a pretty big number, but it turns out that the biggest item of that $116 billion is the Department of Defense, and their $50 billion that went toward the development of defense technology, and we all know what that means. Weapons, bombs, things that go boom, guns, stuff like that, things you can hurt other people Wait, with. Wait, how is that research? Well, they're, they're using they're that money to build weapons? new weapons. Okay. They're researching new ways to hurt people. <laughs> Fifty nice. billion dollars worth. So, uh, Jeff points out that, not surprisingly, an organization that operates outside of the market, that is, the government, is spending half of their research money on something that has no market value. One of the important questions people ask when you talk about getting rid of government is who would pay for defense? Well, the answer is that nobody would, because there isn't any real market demand for protection against foreign governments. Now, he's making that uh, assertion. I don't know if it's really true. I mean, I think that there are some people out there that are irrationally scared of foreign governments. Like we heard a caller earlier tonight mention that, oh, gosh, what will we do if... You know, the government's not there. What if people attack us from around the world? And I think we uh, addressed the objection pretty well that foreign governments would have no interest in attacking because there's no government to take over. There's no government warmongering. There's no government invading other people's lands. Uh, But all that said, uh, I think it's a little presumptuous to say there is no market demand for that. There might be. And if so, it will be served. But he says that the answer is, uh, well, when was a citizen ever attacked by a foreign government? Bin Laden didn't attack the World Trade Towers because he was unhappy with the customer service he got from his stockbroker. That was an attack on the government. Defense is something that governments need, not civil people who act on a voluntary basis. I think if you and a bunch of your friends got a lot of guns and then traveled around the world bossing people around, I think you at that point would need some kind of defense because you're going to tick a lot of people off. But for the rest of us, who act more civil and treat people and their property with respect, defense is needed just as much as insurance against witchcraft is needed. All the money we spend on defense is a complete and total waste of money. We get zero value from that. And I don't think the market will spend $50 billion researching weaponry. So the real question is, is will the remaining $66 billion of government research money get funded? Well, most people don't know how much we already donate to charity. Americans donate $300 billion dollars per year and that's after half of their money has been stolen by government because when you get your paycheck that money's gone already so of the money that you do have a bunch of it goes to charity already so in a world without government says jeff charitable donations would skyrocket and certainly provide more than enough money for worthy projects even if they have no commercial value here on this program, uh, we raised a significant amount of money uh, for the St. Jude Children's Hospital a few months back in tandem with a promotion for uh, getting people to join the Free State Project. And people, when they're confronted with an opportunity to be charitable and they're told a story about, you know, some kid with cancer or somebody else that's hurting or somebody had their house burned down or whatever the tragic story is, they respond. Don't they? I mean, you've had an experience with this recently. Yeah, actually, um, a young lady and personal friend of mine died recently. Listener to the show, too. Yeah, she did listen to the show. Um, A very nice young lady that I met here when I first moved up. I I worked with her, um, and she died in a really tragic car accident here in New Mm, Hampshire. Head-on collision was awful. It was awful. Um, Her mother is in the hospital. She's in very bad condition. Uh, She is awake now, and she knows that her daughter's dead. But uh, Mm. 
their family always consisted of the mother and Justine, my friend, who basically played the role of dad and helped humongously with taking care of their younger sister and brother. Really? Okay. So now there's this younger sister and brother who basically are missing half of their family. Mm. Um, so it's been a humongous burden placed on their family. Um, the company that I work for, which is actually based out of Massachusetts, the franchise that I work for, mm-hmm. um, these people have never, ever, ever met this young lady in their life. She was just life. an associate. She was just one of the thousands of associates yeah. who work for their company. They started a trust fund for the family and three different stores, the one that we work at, which is actually the store that the young lady worked at, and other stores who just wanted to jump on the bandwagon, started collecting donations for the young lady. Um, and the owners of the company, in addition to putting a ginormous, I mean, I've heard the numbers, and it's a really generous donation, just personal donation into this trust fund, are also matching dollar for dollar every anything anybody donates. Now, we normally collect donations. That's really generous. It's It really is generous, and these guys never met this young lady. They do not right. know her whatsoever. If they didn't do anything... It wouldn't really mean anything to them. You know what I mean? They don't, they didn't know mm-hmm. her. It doesn't affect their lives. But they wanted to do the right thing. And our donation bins, normally we collect donations for the King Community Kitchen. We get like 18 bucks every week. Oh, really? They skyrocketed to like $300 a week. Wow. And they're matching that. Didn't you say some guy came in the other day and wanted to give like $1,400 or something? $4,000. $4,000. Someone wrote a check for $4,000. Wow. Because, I mean, we just have like a little sign that says, you know, what happened. And people who don't know her and people who did know her, when they read that, it just touches them. You know what I mean? And I've seen people put change in. I've seen people put, I mean, this guy made a $4,000 donation. So It's amazing. it, It really is amazing. I mean, people didn't know her, but... And I'd like to but point out. But they can out, feel like, you know, well, what if I was in this situation? What would I want to happen? I would want somebody to, to donate to a cause. If if I was in trouble, that's my, what right. might be one and of the, the things money, that goes the through the mind. The trust fund is in the name of the, the kids. So it's going to the, the brother and the sister who are really hurting for money, obviously. Their mother isn't working. And I don't think that they were that, mm-hmm. you know, that comfortable anyway. I don't totally know the financial situation. But what I'd like to point out is that if they wanted government help, they would have to fill out tomes and tomes and tomes of paperwork, first of all. Yeah, if there, there be, even is help yeah, available. Yeah, if there is that kind of help available. If they wanted government help, there would be all these hoops that they needed to jump through. And this was no effort whatsoever, just out of the kindness of the owner's heart. They didn't have heart. to ask. They didn't ask no, anybody. No, they didn't ask any for anything at all. People just felt like doing the right thing because when tragedies like this happen, it really affects people. Well, and because people are inherently good. And that they do want to do things to help their neighbors. And they do want to do things to help out people that are having a tough time. And there's so much evidence of it. I mean, you just gave a great example. And there's more. I mean, the the, the tsunami that hit uh, Thailand a couple years ago resulted in a tremendous outpouring of support from people here in this country and around the world. Billions of dollars were given to, uh, to the rescue efforts down there. And... Most people in America are, number one, never going to visit Thailand. Number two, certainly don't know anybody in Thailand. But they heard about human tragedy, and they dug deep, and they responded. 
And people do that sort of thing. And, of course, you know, the whole idea that money's the root of all evil is absolutely ludicrous. Thank goodness those two guys that own the company that you work for have some money at their disposal right. to where they could just I, cut a check. I wasn't able to open up a trust fund because I don't have right. as much money as they do. But because they are so wealthy, they're able to give. And they do various donations like this all the time. Sure. I mean, they just are constantly setting up funds and donating to what they think is right. So I, I'm totally with you on that. I hate when people complain about money. If you're complaining about money, it's because you don't, you don't have, have enough it. of you're it. jealous. And it's your own fault. Or you've been just trained. You know, right. you've been trained to believe Money's that evil. something's wrong with having money. 800-259-9231. Money is uh, what makes a lot possible. Um, everything that we enjoy today. I love money. It was created in the pursuit of, well, a buck. Hour three's on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Shows about your calls if you make them. Otherwise, we bring up, uh, bring up stuff that's interesting to us. Uh, Julia, you're going to give us an update here shortly on what's going on with the marijuana situation down in Massachusetts. As you may know, the voters down there in Massachusetts passed an initiative that uh, essentially is going to decriminalize uh, regular marijuana possession. We'll get to the details on what the bureaucrats have to say about it. Apparently, they don't like it very much. But first, a story from the Globe and Mail about the health effects of marijuana. We've heard some stories in recent times. Uh, the occasional study manages to get done around the world. You can't do studies on marijuana in America, usually. <laughs> uh, but around the world, they'll do a study from time to time. And uh, we've seen good things. We've seen, uh, some, we've seen information that has said that marijuana could actually be beneficial to people. We've seen that there are receptors, uh, cannab- cannabinoid receptors, actually in people's brains. And, of course, the active ingredient in marijuana is tetrahydrocannabinol. It is a cannabinoid, and it adheres to those receptors. And, well, what does that do? What is, uh, what is the, the, uh, the use of marijuana? What, could it possibly, uh, what kind of effects could it possibly have on someone's health? Uh, some would point out that well, smoking things can't be good for you, and I, you know, I, I would be hard pressed to say that smoking anything is a good idea. But the statistics show that no one has ever died of any sort of cancer from getting marijuana from from marijuana smoke. Uh, marijuana smokers, unless they smoke cigarettes, don't have a chance of getting cancer, from what I've seen. I've heard, and I I don't know how true this is, but I've heard. Things like, well, since the the um, the tar, as you would call it, that comes from marijuana is water soluble, so it doesn't stay in your throat in the same fashion that cigarette tar does. Now, I don't know how true that is, but mm-hmm. I will say that, uh, I mean, when I, I've been smoking marijuana for 10, 10 years now, I'd say, just about. Okay. And I don't have 
problems with my lungs, coughing problems, and I feel like my smoker friends who my well, they're out every 15 friends, minutes too, so that's, that's a factor. That's true. That's another factor. But you know, one of the government claims is that oh my gosh, smoking one joint is like smoking a, a million times, yeah. cigarettes or yeah, whatever. It's like a hundred to one. Yeah, exactly. Claim. So they claim that you know, and if that's the case, then me smoking my joint every day is is the same as you know, a cigarette smoker who takes 30 cigarette breaks. But I don't agree with that statement at all, just based on what I know from people who have been smoking for 10 years. And, and, and where, are, where are all the lung cancer episodes? They're just not there. They just don't happen. So, so we've heard a lot, and now there's more. The news here, according to The Guardian, is, or excuse me, not The Guardian, Globe and Mail, is that it turns out a few dances with Mary Jane can do wonders for an aging brain. That's right. A daily toke in later, middle, and old age can help slow memory loss or the onset of That's diseases. That's really funny because, Isn't it mem- ironic? because memory loss is one of the their biggest weapons, really. Absolutely. That's what scares people. And, and I think a lot of people that smoke pot actually believe that. Like, sure. Well, I like it, and I'm going to continue to do it, but... Um, you know, I, sorry, I got distracted because the cat's nuzzling. <laughs> I've got this cat in my lap and he's nuzzling the microphone. His name's Ravage. Yes. He's a handsome boy. Okay. What were we talking about? I uh, forgot. The, memory the biggest, loss. Yeah. Right. The, the memory loss. <laughs> so oh, yes, the memory loss. Right. Thing. And, and I think a lot of people fall under that trap of believing it. And I used to be one of them. Sometimes sure. I would say, you know, I don't really remember some things that I used to remember, but I realize now that as you get older, you just don't remember some things because well, things I remember forgetting things when I was a kid. Yeah, things that are irrelevant to your life, there's no reason to remember them, and people just forget things over time. That's just the way memory. Yeah, that's works. the way memory works. So, I mean, I f- if I had never smoked pot, I still wouldn't remember things, and I have friends who don't smoke pot who have this, you know, the same like what was that again problem so I I don't attribute it to the pot at all. Yeah, absolutely. And and now the studies are saying that in older age it can actually help slow memory loss or even onsets of diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and multiple multiple sclerosis according to a new study. It's a preemptive strike, one not effective at reversing previous memory memory loss, but aging boomers still shouldn't go overboard, say researchers, in tests on lab rats. All it took was the equivalent of one human puff. So Gary Wank, the professor of psychology and neuroscience at Ohio State University, says, we're not trying to make anyone high. We're trying to tease out the positive aspects of this plant. So it's kind of interesting how all of the people doing any sort of research on the plant have we're to We're not kind of, telling you to right. go smoke pot, but if you do smoke pot, it's really going to do good things for you later in life. Well, right. I mean, they have to, uh, they have to pretend as though... Uh, the, and, right. I'm, to be seen as somewhat credible, they can't come off as a bunch of pot-smoking yeah, right. hippies. Right. Well, and and the suggestion, of course, is always that people getting high is oh bad, bad. We can't have that. And and that's what he essentially is saying in his statement here. We're trying to tease out the positive aspects of this plant. So suggesting that getting high is not a positive aspect of marijuana. And clearly, there are millions of people around the world who would disagree. I love getting high. I Why? love it, and it doesn't get old. It's not the same as drinking for me. I can't even really explain it, but I guess the most positive thing about it for me is that I love to laugh and smile, and I really just love to laugh. And You're not an angry person otherwise, though. I'm not an angry person otherwise. I'm really not. But when I get high, I just things just are slightly funnier. Like, I'm more likely to laugh for longer. What about and, the people that would say, you're just trying to get away from reality? You're trying to escape? Well, you're I'm trying not, to though, cover because up I'm, ha- I'm a happy life. person. My life is not awful. You're depressed. My life is absolutely wonderful. You're in denial. 
you're in denial about your depression and you're Perhaps. just trying to, trying Although, to feel good. Although, I would make the claim that marijuana cured my brother's depression. Is that right? Absolutely. My brother was a very, very angry person growing up. My my dad's side of the family is really angry, and we grew up kind of in an angry home where like we would get yelled at and stuff, and my dad just held a lot of that in, and, and um, his dad was the same way, and all his brothers are the same way, and my, my brother grew up with that, you mm-hmm. know, sort of thinking that that's what he was going to be like. He was destined to be like that forever. The angry and, Italian blood. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of the way it was played off, and he was very angry. Actually, you're, you're Italian-Irish, right? Right. So, like, double anger. I guess. Yeah. But, you know, if Italians you that are crap. supposedly known exactly for yeah. being angry, and if you're Italian, you got that Italian blood in you, you're going to be angry. And, and But he grew up really angry, and he had a lot of problems as a teenager, and um, they, they took him to, my parents took him to some psychiatrists and they put him on some dopey pills like Zoloft or something like that. Really didn't do very much. Mm. Um, he took himself probably after a year of taking the pills, he decided that he didn't want to grow up being addicted to pills. So he stopped taking the pills and started smoking marijuana. And how old was he at that time? Like 15. Okay. Cause I was going to say somebody could say what well, was just getting older. Maybe he, well, just he was matured. still a teenager. I right. Mean, right. I, and in. I'm not to you know talk trash on my brother or anything like that. He's a, gr- a great guy and and I really now like he's a great him. guy. You know you wouldn't have said that about no, him. No, I time, wouldn't though, right? have said that about him. But you know it's not like he had matured by age 15 or something sure, like that. I know he had I plenty didn't. of yeah, he had plenty of growing up to do, just like I did. Um, but I'm telling you, the switch from marijuana to I mean it took time, but he's just a totally different person now. And I well, I, how soon would you say after he started you noticed a difference? Probably like a year, but that's I mean that's a total estimate like i just it wasn't like he smoked pot the next day wow he's cured or anything like that but i mean and i can say personally something similar happened i was kind of an angry teenager which is pretty typical and the pot just really like mellowed me out and even today if i'm really angry if i take like two hits of pot i'm i just i just don't want to be angry anymore i just feel nice and so i just you know like oh whatever do you think there's a do you think there's anything to the conspiracy theory that uh, that the the government has outlawed drugs like marijuana or or MDMA or other drugs like that that a lot of people use because it helps them feel a little bit better? Do you think that it mellows them out or whatever? Do you think that the conspiracy theory that uh, perhaps they're they're Ill- they're making these drugs illegal and trying to keep them out of people's hands simply because they want people to have access to drugs like uh, like alcohol, which would more likely make people angry, make people more likely to to get in fights and do, kind of keep people dumb. Would you would you say there's anything to that, or is that just it's silly really nonsense? hard to make any kind of statement either way about that? But I mean, you can certainly understand where that claim comes from, because really, I feel like when I started smoking marijuana, it just opened me up to a whole new world of information that I just. I mean, I wasn't privy to before I started smoking marijuana. It really helped open my eyes to a lot of things. But well, you I found out like. you were you were lied to. That's yeah. where I certainly first uh, figured started to figure out the scam. That is the government. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Your thoughts are on whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. 
That, again, is freetalklive.com, and those features include the updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop. Whatever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, you'll know first. If you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com, and the Institute for Humane Studies is now offering free seminars over spring break. This March, join other libertarians from across the country for an intense and interdisciplinary exploration of classical, liberal, and libertarian thought. Participation is free. IHS provides housing and meals during the conference. Apply now to attend a seminar at the University of California, Santa Cruz, March 7th through the 12th, or Emory University in Atlanta, March 14th through 19th. Go to libertarianseminars.com for more information. That's libertarianseminars.com. I brought up a story from the Globe and Mail about a study that has been done. Uh, not, uh, apparently, maybe it was done in the United States. Ohio State University actually apparently doing this. Where they found that marijuana, uh, marijuana smoking, and a very, very small amount of it, they said that the equivalent of one puff of marijuana was enough to, uh, was enough to slow memory loss and even possibly slow the onset of diseases such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and multiple sclerosis. We kind of spun off into a, a side conversation where Julia was, uh, where you were talking about uh, all kinds of uh, benefits that you've perceived that have happened in your life and the lives of uh, some of your loved ones from, from smoking marijuana. Would you say that you think everyone should do it? I mean, no. No. I, I don't think that anybody should do any drug. Um, I I feel like drugs are something that are right for some people and are not good for other people. Um and that's fine, you know what I mean? I would I would never advocate that everybody go out and smoke pot. I I certainly think that it would help my mother. <laughs> I I tell her she should she's smoke a little high strung. Gosh, she's high strung. She needs to mellow out. She doesn't drink alcohol either, but mm. man, she should definitely pick up a joint every. So once you're in a while. saying not for everybody, only certain people, and only if it's uh, only if they feel it's right, right for only them. Only if in it's their right life. for them. Like there became a certain point in my life where I decided that I was interested in trying smoking marijuana, and I liked it, so I kept doing it. Um, would I recommend that everybody do it? No, and and everybody's ready at different ages. I mean, I have friends who didn't try it till they were 22. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. recently got into it. I started smoking marijuana when I was 14. Let me get back to the story here from the Globe and Mail. The benefit was found in a synthetic compound identical to THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, the psychoactive substance in marijuana, which researchers say activated areas of aged brains in rats affected by memory loss and actually stimulated the formation of new brain cells. I mean, that's a pretty shocking you discovery. Know, that's actually really funny because one of the few dare lessons I actually remember from from elementary school. What did they tell was, you? Destroyed it? Yeah. Brain cell, well, brain cells? it was actually, and now that I think about this, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. This lady came in and she had a metal bowl and she had a handful of BBs and she was dropping them into the metal bowl and she said, this is how many brain cells each BB that hits is how many brain cells you lose every time you hit a puff of marijuana. <laughs> and did she count out the BBs? You know what I mean? Was she dropping them all Ludicrous. at a specific rate? No, she was just putting BBs in a bowl is what yeah, she was doing. And I mean, here's this article effect. saying that it actually helps brain cells grow or, or well, they're produces... claiming that they're claiming that that's the case in older animals uh so i don't know if they've done research on younger animals but that that's what they're saying here uh the benefit was found in the synthetic synthetic compound <laughs> professor wank who presented the research in washington at the annual meeting for the society for neuroscience was motivated to look into the effects of marijuana on aging brains after repeatedly noticing the drug mentioned on the blogs of patients with multiple sclerosis who use it to curb pain 
Hmm, how about that? It actually helps people who are sick, too. Memory impairment is connected to such chronic brain inflammation. So he says that there was discussion of smoking a little pot to reduce inflammation, which makes their disease less painful. Pot is popular among older sufferers because conventional anti-inflammatory medications are just not effective in older brains. Professor Wank said that millions of people have used this plant for thousands of years. There is a lot of evidence that there are some interesting things going on in the brains of these people. So while testing with rats, researchers used a THC-like drug called WIN55212-2 to activate receptors in the brain's endocannabinoid system. So basically what, what they're saying here, Julia, is that they couldn't actually use pot. They nice. used something that was gene- you know, essentially similar to pot, uh, that, that was a synthetic version of pot. Anyway, they activated brain, uh, receptors in the brain's endocannabinoid system, usually stimulated by smoking marijuana, which involves memory, appetite, mood, and pain response. After three weeks, the rats were given a memory test where they were placed in a small swimming pool to determine how well they used visual, cl- uh, vi- visual cues to find a platform hidden under the surface of the water. The treated rats were given enough of the drug to boost brain cells, though not enough to get high, and did better in the swimming pool test than the control the straight-laced rats without any THC, in learning and remembering how to find the hidden platform. He said that old rats, uh, one of the co-authors of the study, said old rats are not very good at that task, and when we gave them the drug, it made them a little better at it. They also experienced reduced inflammation and growth of new brain cells. The researchers hope their findings could lead to the development of a drug to stave off memory loss in people with a history of degenerative disease in their families, and he goes on to say that uh, that cannabis joins a long list of taboo substances now shown to reduce brain inflammation. Nicotine, alcohol, and caffeine have also been shown to do so, possibly leading to reduced memory loss later on in life. What is it about coffee? What is it about smoking? And what is it about marijuana that's causing us to see these effects? Different compounds that may be bad for one part of the brain might be good for the other. And, of course, they're suggesting that there's something bad about getting high, which I just don't know if that's true. I think that it could be true in certain cases. I think that, uh, like you were saying, Julia, there's an, uh, there's an appropriate point in people's lives, if this is something they want to do, that they should do. Uh, but if you are somebody who is, you've got, like, mental problems, if you've got severe depression, for instance, uh, and it's not helping, it's not, you said it helped your brother, but some people, they might not help. Some people, if they're using it to get away from their life, that that could be really damaging to them if if yeah. they're using drugs, whether it's alcohol or marijuana or something else entirely. If they're using it as an escapist uh, situation, that might not right. be something. But healthy. I think a lot of people would make the claim that I smoke marijuana to escape my regular life. But I have just about the most. My life is as great as it's ever been, and I'm not unhappy when I'm not high. I'm not high right now. I haven't been high all day, and I feel great. But I am looking forward to smoking a joint later. <laughs> well, and what are you talking about? Then. That's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen here. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Let's go across the pond to Ziggy in the UK. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Zig. Going once. Ziggy in the UK going twice. Ziggy's gone. All right. 1-800-259-9231. Well, there's more marijuana-related news. And you've got the story, Julia, out of Massachusetts where in the November election, the Massachusetts residents made a very good decision. They decided to vote in favor of a decriminalization initiative. So it was a voter uh, initiative placed on the ballot. Uh, they, I think they voted in to the tune of 64% or something yeah. like that. And, and there was a lot of propaganda um, encouraging voters not 
to vote this Oh, day. yeah, yeah, you know, the, the usual uh, you canards. You want kids to be smoking pot, 11-year-olds? Right, because all of a sudden, so many people are going to start smoking pot that never start, that never smoked yeah. it before. Come on. Everybody knows that uh, the, the percentage of people that want to smoke pot but don't because it's illegal Please. is so small. I don't know anybody like that. No. Everybody that I know that wants to smoke pot has and is, you know, has smoked it or is smoking it. More on the way. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. You can go and you can edit the wiki to your heart's content. What were we looking at last night, Julia? What did they change my name to? Somebody changed my Drooling name. Drooling Idiot. Drooling Idiot. You really can change virtually anything. And the, we laughed at the it. Wiki. I mean. Yeah, that's funny. All right, so head over to wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls, Eric is on the line in Alabama. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Hey, Ian. Um, I know you guys were talking about earlier about, you know, the idea of a uh, conspiracy to keep marijuana illegal. But, um... Honestly, I think that there perhaps is something in the government that's, you know, take, trying to prevent it from becoming legalized. I don't think it's like one individual, one organization. Because you do have a number of uh, different, you know, groups that are interested in keeping this drug illegal. You have the uh, private prison industry out in California. And you have the, uh, you know, pharma- pharmaceuticals with mm-hmm. the drugs that they would rather you purchase. Sure, and, and a Budweiser would like to keep it illegal too, I imagine. Exactly. As well as, the, you know, the war on drugs and things of that sort. So I, I really don't think it's, you know, that we should expect marijuana legalization on the federal level anytime soon. Of course, when most states put up to, uh, you know, popular votes for citizens, we've seen it getting passed, you know, in I think 13 states now. So it, it, I think that the people want it, but there's a, you know, the people in power do not want it legalized. It's too profitable. Absolutely. Uh, the cops get a lot of money out of it, and the uh, the entire system, as you were saying, the prison system benefits from it. So there's some serious incentive out there to continue this war on our friends and war on our family members, and that's really what it is. Exactly. These are, you know, of course, the, the marijuana offenders are, are going to be, you know, the easiest people to keep locked up. So. Yeah, that's true. The pen. Any other thoughts for also, us tonight? What's that? Go ahead with your thoughts. Go ahead. Also, um, as far as the uh, civil disobedience, I was reading on the forums at the Free Team website, I believe... He's actually just going to have a marijuana lease, so not even, that, you know... to me, that's what product. I was hoping he would do. Oh, really? I didn't realize he'd made that decision at this point. I had not heard uh, if he'd for sure come down with that. Is this recent? Oh, that was a couple of weeks ago. That oh, was, really? So perhaps not. That might not have been the final decision, but I think that would be a lot more uh, probably be easier to get a nug. But I do agree with you. I think it's more symbolic to have a leaf, you know, mm-hmm. to say, like, look, this is a plant. I have a leaf in my hand right now, and you want to arrest me? I think exactly. a lot of people will be more sympathetic than if he's holding a joint or a nug. I agree. Well, I, think I, I don't a, think many people know the you know the difference between the two. Probably I mean, not. Indoctrinated with the D.A.R.E. program from a really young age. Right. You, you couldn't roll that leaf up and get high off of it. You certainly could not no. do that. I believe there is a very – isn't there a it's small there's some amount? In there. But, there's, yeah, not enough to get high unless you – Well, it depends on the plant, of yeah. course. 
So. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you, Eric. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. He's referencing an upcoming protest scheduled for January 10th here in our very own beautiful Keene, New Hampshire. A uh, man is a uh, young man is going to go. He's a free stater. He's a uh, liberty activist. He's going to go in public and hold a piece of marijuana in his hand. Eric is saying that he believes that uh, it's going to be a marijuana leaf. I think uh, it may end up being a piece of uh, the, the actual bud, the, the flower of the plant, the, the smokable portion. And he doesn't smoke pot. He's not a user. Uh, he is doing this to point out the absurdity of the marijuana laws and the the whole idea that somebody could be thrown in a jail cell for having a piece of a plant on their person. And somebody else had suggested that perhaps in one hand he should hold a marijuana leaf and in the other hand hold like a you know a rose petal or something like that just to really juxtapose the absurdity and like here's right. one plant, here's another. I would uh, have difficulty getting a hold of a marijuana leaf. You'd have, you'd have to know a grower. Yeah, you would have to know a grower. And if you don't smoke marijuana, it's, it's probably going to be difficult. Well, I mean, if you know people who smoke marijuana, they could possibly go up the chain to their dealer and ask if they could get a you know leaf from... But it would be a, but it'd be a pain. But most people don't know their, like... De- they know their dealer, but they don't know their dealer's dealer's dealer. You know what I mean? They right. It'd have to grower. go up the chain. It'd have to right. go up the chain to be. It might. I mean, it hey depends man, on how can long. Can I get a leaf? Can you get me a leaf? Well, it depends on how long the chain is. I mean, there's a there's a chance that your dealer is buying from a local grower and and reselling that, and there's a chance that the stuff's grown down in Mexico, and you're never gonna get a leaf from from that. So, it it all depends. Toll free number here eight hundred two five nine and ninety two thirty one. Or if you know somebody that lives out in California that's growing uh, for for medical purposes, or lives in one of the thirteen states that's growing, they might yeah. they might be willing to send you a leaf through the mail. Though I don't know, that could be a federal crime. Who that knows? That probably is a federal crime. Uh, so so he, uh, let's get to the story actually from Massachusetts where they had uh, passed this initiative. It's it, coming up in the new year, I believe. It's yep. going to be January second. It's going to be a civil offense. To it's a pay- civil penalty. Which basically puts it in the same category as like a parking ticket, I believe. So like a violation? Right. Like they give you a ticket, you pay the ticket. It's a parking ticket, essentially. I believe, uh, Obviously, something can happen to you if you don't pay the fine, but you avoid a record. Because the tickets can add up. It doesn't matter. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You could get a hundred tickets and it's not going to... It's not going to be on your record. You're not going if to have. If you pay, you mean? Yeah, if you pay, you do not have to go through the inconvenience of going being to arrested. jail, yeah. being arrested, being handcuffed. Will they take the pot? Ah, uh, it doesn't say, but I imagine they would because it's they still might. technically yeah. illegal, mm. right? Yeah, okay. So they'll probably confiscate it, and then go smoke it later. Sure, they will because yeah. cops like you know cops do that stuff. Yes, Some they cops. do. Not all of them. Some of them. That is true. Some of them will sell it. You know, I used to say when I had no heart and I was like 15, I used to say, well, you know, if I was a cop, I'd just take it and smoke it. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I would never do that now because I think that's morally wrong. But that's stealing. But, you know, it's what went through my head when I was younger. And I sure I, I mean, it happens all the time. Well, many cops aren't uh, really that far above their level of mentality as they were when they were uh, teenagers. <laughs> so. I'd say that is somewhat true. Largely true. I said many maybe. cops. I didn't yeah. say all cops. Not all okay. Cops. So what's happening in Massachusetts? They're complaining about this, right? The bureaucrats? Yes, the bureaucrats are complaining. So last month, the voters approved a statewide measure decriminalizing the possession of small amounts of marijuana. Now, wary authorities say comes the hard part. Oh, it's, oh, so, it's so hard. Difficult. Yes. They are scrambling to set up a new system of civil penalties before January 2nd. Oh, 
that's really soon. They're really going to have to scramble, especially because it's the holidays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they take a lot of time off for the holidays. Hmm. Week there, week there. Let's see. So where is this from, by the way? This Boston? is actually out of the New York Times. Okay. Um, from then on, anyone caught with an ounce or less of marijuana will owe a $100 civil fine instead of ending up with an arrest record and possibly facing jail time. It sounds simple, but David Capeless, president of the Massachusetts District Attorneys Association, says the new policy pres- pre- presented a thicket of questions and complications. One of the most basic, he said, is who will collect the fines and enforce other provisions of the law. For example, violators under 18 will be required to attend a drug awareness class within a year, <laughs> which if you've ever been to one of these drug awareness I remember them classes. One. I remember them from school. I mean, I've never had a mandated oh, I, one. I but, have. Okay. And it, it was actually really funny because there was like 20 other people in the class, and this was mandated by the court when I got caught with marijuana when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And... Everybody in there did not want to be there. Sure. And, you know, they went around and was like, why do you smoke pot? Why do you smoke pot? And everybody just said the same thing. You know, I like to smoke pot. Yeah. And I'm not going to stop smoking pot. <laughs> right. In fact, in after fact, I leave here. Right. And they made everybody. <laughs> everyone, on break. Yeah. Everyone went and got high in their cars on really? break. Yeah. And they were like, if we catch you, we are going to call the police, you know. But uh, what is a little visine goes a long way, right? How do they hmm. know? So. Okay. Uh, I lost my place. Um, but it is unclear who will make sure that they do so. The fine increases to $1,000 for those who skip the class. So if okay. you're under 18, you have to take a class, which got it. Pff, stupid. Sure beats being in jail. A complicating factor, said Mr. Capeless, the district attorney in Berkshire County, is that the state law bans the police from demanding identification when it comes to civil infractions. So... Basically, oh, they'll still demand it anyway. Oh, they will demand it, and most people will give it up. But they, they don't. You don't actually have any sort of requirement to tell the police who you are. I'm going to need to, to see your identification. Yeah, I don't have any. Sorry. Well, the, the way they'll say it will sound very oh, forceful. Yes. And most and people it, and don't know that that's the state law, so most people are just going to say who they are and be thankful that they're not going to jail. I'm going to have to ask you to show me your identification. Well, you can ask, but. I'm yeah. not going to show you. More on the way here. 800-259-9231. What are the bureaucrats complaining about with this new law? We'll explain. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments. Plenty of time for your call at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you like this show... And you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do so uh, by going and becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. And I swear to you, the money is not going to uh, to Julia's marijuana habit. Uh, you can go to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up there. We use the money to promote the show, get on more radio stations around the country, around the world, bring new people to the message of freedom and liberty. Plus, another way you can help support the show is by shopping with us. It is the holiday shopping season, and it's not too late to get your shopping done online at amazon.freetalklive.com and get it delivered to your door. Uh, in fact, right now is the last chance you have to order. Today is the last chance you have to order to get delivery by December 24th. So go to amazon.freetalklive.com. You get your shopping done there. 41 categories in which to shop. 
you can get free Super Saver shipping on a num- that's uh, that's standard shipping. So uh, so you can certainly pay for quicker shipping and you can put it off for a few more days. But if you want to save some money on some shipping, go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and get your shopping done now. If you wait, you can still do the shopping and Free Talk Live will still get a percentage. That's why you want to enter through that link. Is so Free Talk Live gets a cut of whatever it is you're ordering. So that's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we continue the story from the New York Times, where they're reporting that government bureaucrats in the state of Massachusetts are all up in a tissy over this new uh, <laughs> marijuana legisl- or this new uh, initiative that was passed by the voters in November that is supposed to take effect early January. That is essentially going to make it so if you have less than an ounce of marijuana, it'll be a civil fine of a hundred dollars, I believe. Was it? Was that? Was that? Yes, a hundred dollars. I'm really glad that they made it an ounce too. I can't stand. Yeah. I mean, not that an ounce, an ounce of weed really is not that much, but I hate it when they have it something stupid like a quarter, because you know, an, an, a quarter ounce. Right, a quarter ounce. I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm silly, silly for assuming everybody knows what a quarter yes. is. But, Not everyone is in, is immersed in the the uh, the counterculture. Well, like a lot of people assume that you know if you buy an ounce you must be a dealer, but really an ounce doesn't go too far. If you buy an ounce, you're a smart buyer because you're exactly. trying to cut your it's costs. Exactly, it's just so much cheaper. So it's just better to buy in bulk, like with a lot of other things. So I'm really glad that it's not something stupid like a quarter ounce. But they're having a problem. There uh, there are a lot of objections coming from the bureaucrats. And do you want to share some more of this with us? Is there more? Sure. Of the story? Right now he's complaining about how. Um, this is the state attorney law, general yeah, or something? This is, or? You know, one of the attorney genitals or something. I don't, one of those guys. But uh, the state law currently bans police officers from demanding identifications for several infractions. Not only do you not have to identify yourself, he said, but it would appear from a strict reading that people can get a citation, walk away, never pay a fine, and have no repercussions. Awesome. How could they do that? Um, well, it's against the law, apparently, for them to ask for identification. When you they know, I wonder the- that. He used the term demand. There's a difference between asking and demanding. Yes, there is. And most people, like we said earlier, would just give it up. So Right. So the cop says, and, I'm going to have to ask for your identification. Right. Most, most people, people are going to give say, it up. Okay, exactly. Most people are going to say, gee, it's so glad I'm in Massachusetts and not New mm-hmm. Hampshire. You know what I mean? Where you get arrested. But what you're saying is that if you were walking down the street and a cop came up to you, right. you're walking down the street smoking a joint and a cop comes up to you and says, I'm going to write you a citation for that. Jane Doe. Jane Doe. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't do anything Yeah, for, there's nothing he could do about it. You'd have to stand your ground. They'd probably get intimidating like they do, mm-hmm. but but I wonder what the I wonder what the law is in uh, in New Hampshire on identifying. Not that I you know really care, uh, but I just cur- just curious yeah. as to is it similar? Of I course, have no idea. Marijuana is still quite illegal in New Hampshire, so yeah. that's one of the reasons it's why a the sad day when right. Massachusetts has better laws that's than in Maine. Bad, uh, but and, we're working on it. Well, right. There's going to be a marijuana protest coming up in January, and hopefully that'll help uh, spur on some change here in New Hampshire. But right. what else? Are they, what else are they having to say for themselves? Um. Well, Wayne Sampson, the uh, director of Massachusetts Chiefs of Police Association, which, of course, the Chiefs of Police always come out in this sort of stuff. They they want marijuana to stay illegal forever. Um, he says that he anticipates that many violators will lie about their identities. Now, that's probably true. However, you pointed out earlier, because if I ever get... St- if I'm ever walking down the street in Massachusetts, I'm not going to give my name now that I know that I don't mm-hmm. have to... Um, Oh, you never have to. Well, I don't even normally carry a license on me. I really don't. I'd like to point something out, though. Just because they are asking you for your name and because it's legal for you to refuse it, 
doesn't mean that they won't hit you with a disorderly conduct charge right. and haul you into a jail cell. So don't believe for a moment that you have some sort of way of uh, being able to hold yourself above the cop in this particular case. He still has those handcuffs. He still has his taser and his, and his gun, but, and he's willing to use those to put you in a jail cell. So I just want to point out that not giving your name doesn't mean you're going to avoid a, you know, a night in jail. Right. Um, but I think that he's really exaggerating about the number of violators that will lie about their identities because, like you pointed out earlier, if you get pulled over in a car, uh, you I mean, you're if you're driving your own car, they're going to know who you are anyway. So, I mean, in most circumstances, I would say that. And you that's... pretty much do have to give your identity in, if yes, you're in the in car. Yes, in that situation, And yes. even if you don't, again, the same situation happens. If you don't give the ID, they're going to put you in a jail cell. So, I, I would say that if you were, if you really wanted to play with the system, and you're in a situation where you're not in the car, you're just walking down the street, smoking a joint, the cop comes up, says, what's your name? I'm writing you a citation. You say John Doe or something like that. And the cop gets uppity. And the cop decides to to haul you in and you don't have ID on you, I would say that's the time at which you might want to try the you know, the Lauren Canario approach of just not giving them any information about yourself at the jail, uh, because they can't find it. If they don't know who you are, they can't pull anything up on you. So eventually they'll have to just let you out. And that's at that point then you've gotten away with it, but it's cost you obviously right, your, your freedom and your time. All right. The authorities, he said, will also have to be sure that the substance they hand out citations for is marijuana, which will involve sending it to the state police crime laboratory. Are you kidding me? Okay, yeah, I'm sure. I, do they do they analyze the marijuana every single time? They well, they, it claims that, but nonsense. Please, I got I got uh, arrested with marijuana when I was 18 yeah. years old, and I assure you, they arrested me. There was no question as to whether or not it was marijuana, and marijuana has a very distinct smell. Right, and they don't send it to the lab after they, they arrest you. They smoke it when they get home or sell it. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> For a lot of them, yes. You're going to appeal it and go to the cl- clerk's hearing, Mr. Sampson said, and if we don't have an analysis from the drug lab, the clerk is going to throw the case out. Oh, oh nonsense. Oh, Well, you're not going to get your $100. Wah. Mr. Sam- Sampson uh, predicted that the law would result result in de facto legislation of marijuana because it would prove de facto too, legalization. Oh, sorry, legalization of marijuana because it would prove too difficult to enforce. I would argue. Hooray! Thank goodness. <laughs> you know, th- there was another article like this, and I'm glad you brought this up tonight because I had a similar article a few weeks back after the election, and it was pretty much the same, except it was from a Boston paper, and they were talking about the same old crap with the bureaucrats complaining. In this, in this case, it was because they needed a special new form. They didn't have any forms that they could uh, that they could use for this, so they had to come oh, up with a new form please. just for the marijuana uh, citations. And they were also concerned with how are the cops going to know if it's an ounce or less. Are they going to have to? Are the cops going to have to carry around a scale with them oh, now? Oh, you poor little baby! And you have to carry this, around a scale right, with all the other stuff. crap that you have around your belt. All of this, you know. Oh, is this hand wringing? Oh God, look at all! It's going to be so hard to do this enforcement. Well, look, that's when. That's what. Stop. Just stop the enforcement. I mean, they're, they're complaining because this will essentially be legalization. Because but they got it'll no be too hard problem putting cuffs on people because that's not a pain, apparently. Right, that's not a pain to bring people into to the, jail, to jail no, they, and fill they, out that paperwork they work for that crap. You well, know? right, they're filling out paperwork every time they arrest somebody. Yeah, that's not a pain. But oh, I have to fill out the citation, and what if he doesn't give me his real name? We yeah. might not get the hundred bucks. If these people cared about other people and they don't, 
Hmm. I mean, they care about their own family members, I'm sure. Which and their half of them probably smoke marijuana and hide it sure. from them because they're terrified of their psycho parents or whatever. Or their psycho brother or yeah. sister or whatever. Uh, but if you guys would just stop enforcing the law, period. I mean, I understand over an ounce is still illegal in Massachusetts, but if you were to stop enforcing the marijuana laws, then you wouldn't have to be dealing with the paperwork, and you wouldn't have to be dealing with all of the issues that you're talking about here. It would completely just el- eliminate all of these problems for these people. But no, they will go till the ends of the earth to continue to enforce this insane war on drugs. <laughs> well, a spokesperson from the Marijuana Policy Project in Washington says, I can't help but think that the real difficulty in implementing it is that they just don't want to. That's exactly it. That, they didn't want to do it in California, uh, well, and they don't want to do it here. It's talking about the other 11 states that have done this, and it says here Nebraska's had these policies uh, for three decades, and they're fine. You know what I mean? Mm. So, and, and New York, fine. All these other states have done it, and it's been years since some of these right. have passed. Uh, apparently, Nebraska's had these laws for three years, and Somehow they can fill out the paperwork properly and still collect their money. It has been Ian here with you. And Julia. Julia will be returning uh, for a bonus episode tomorrow night. You can uh, stick around for that. Log on at freetalklive.com or uh, visit us at freetalklive.com. There's really no logging on. I don't know why I use that term. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow night and online in the meantime. And Gardner Goldsmith coming up later this week. Smoke him if you got him. I guess. More on the way tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.